Welcome to Ivy League Murders. On this podcast, we focus on cases affiliated with the Ivy League, exploring the darker side of higher education. What happens when genius becomes evil? My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate, and I've been a private investigator since 1999. Join me and longtime crime diva, Laura McDonald, for Ivy League Murders. When I was 12 years old, I became a Jack Nicholson superfan. This happened almost overnight on an evening in February 1997 when I first saw The Shining. Here's Johnny! In those 20 plus years, I never stopped being a Jack superfan. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Get ready for You Don't Know Jack, hosted by me. Subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to All Four Downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. I am Joe McGuire, along with Obi Muniz and Sean Scanlon. Not a ton going on in the world of college football, but there is enough that we felt uh, we should update you, kind of let you know who has declared for the draft. The coaching carousel is in full effect, and we're going to talk about Urban Meyer and his jump to the NFL and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, for one, am not a big fan of the move. I think that Urban Meyer and his game is best suited for the college ranks. So we will get into that and a whole bunch more on this week's All Four Downs. Shawnee, let me ask you this. Uh, right off the top, obviously there's been a lot going on with these coaches all around college football, but one of the big moves, obviously Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville, which immediately led to some speculation about uh, the fact that maybe um, he might be interested in bringing Justin Fields to Jacksonville instead of Trevor Lawrence. So my question to you, Sean, number one, what do you think of the Urban Meyer hiring and number two? Do you think it changes Trevor Lawrence's the number one overall pick? Yeah, I, I think I agree with your assessment. Um, that I, I don't think it was a great hire. Um, obviously, there's just a long track record of you know great college coaches that didn't pan out in the NFL. If I mean, you look at some of the names like Nick Saban, uh, Chip Kelly, who didn't work out in the NFL, Lou Holtz, who you know had a stint with the Jets, the Jets, and didn't work out. So. And obviously, you know, Urban Meyer, he, he's great at recruiting. That's obviously been the strength, um, 
you know, uh, of his uh, tenure at Ohio State or not just Ohio State, but Utah, too. You know, he's always been a great recruiter. So and that's that's not how it works in the NFL. Obviously, it's it's what draft pick you get. It's, you know, who your GM goes after in free agency. So it, all, it doesn't all depend on your recruiting and, uh, you know, ability to get guys to come to your program. So I, I, I think it. I don't think it was a great hire. Obviously, the ownership in Jacksonville isn't the greatest on top of that. And then you look at the roster and the roster, you know, it, it still needs a complete rebuild. There's still it's still void of talent uh, throughout the roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So um, I just don't think Urban Meyer was the guy to come in and, you know, really change the culture around Jacksonville. Um, I don't you know, I, I wouldn't be uh, completely surprised if he did if he ends up getting Trevor Lawrence, because I think Trevor Lawrence could be that quarterback to really, you know, change the landscape of the team. But uh, in terms of, you know, the head coach to go out and do it, I don't think Urban Meyer was the greatest fit. And um, in terms of the, you know, the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, I don't think that he'll go and pick Justin Fields. But, um, you know, who knows? We've seen it before with uh, Cliff Kingsbury and uh, uh, Kyler Murray just a couple of years ago where, you know, he coached him in, at the college ranks. He obviously, obviously knows a lot about him and likes his talent. So uh, maybe, he you know, he wants to bring him into the NFL. So it could happen, but I, I would be a little bit surprised. But, yeah, I don't think Jacksonville uh, really made a great hire in this one with Urban Meyer. But I, I don't know uh, what your thoughts on it would be. Uh, Obi, what are you thinking, man? Um, again, I, uh, you know, it's funny, Sean, that you you bring up the fact that he's such a good recruiter. And this is not this is not that in the NFL. Well, and when you talk about recruiting, there, Joe, I mean, you got a person that could work with the general manager to see what was best fit for the organization. I mean, I think he's that talented enough to do that. Uh, but then you're also looking at these are the pro levels. These ain't kids. These guys are already grown-ups, already making money. And we're talking about the, the standards and discipline. Can he get this team organized and head to the right direction? We know he has a wonderful program. This is, I believe, his fourth or his fifth head coaching job that, that he's acquiring right now. And he was successful at University of Florida. You, we all know he was successful at the University of Ohio State. But now you're at the pros. You're in Jacksonville. You know, can he get him in there? And then it comes a discipline issue. We know that he has a bad record at Florida with guys off the field incidents, the same way in Ohio State off field incidents. And now you come into a professional level. Is he able to maintain and set a a a, a high expectation for all that men for all the men to execute and win football games? That is a big question. Now uh, Pete Carroll, he was successful and uh, leaving USC to go to uh, the Seattle Seahawks, won a Super Bowl in 2013. You've seen Jim Harbaugh, who left Stanford, ended up uh, succeeding with uh, the San Francisco 49ers, going to three straight NFC championships. He lost to his brother in the Super Bowl. And then you have Jimmy Johnson. He left the University of Miami and won two Super Bowls from Dallas. So there's going to be a possibility. But that's just a small window of successful coaches. But we have a laundry list of people that went from college to NFL, didn't didn't um, meet the expectations, and ended up going back to college. So it, it's it's pretty hard to determine. Now, to answer your question, Joe, uh, Trevor Lawrence or um, Justin Fields, I, I'm, I'm still convinced 99% that Trevor Lawrence will be the guy for the number one pick for Jacksonville. I really do. It seems to me that guys like Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, guys who had some college, some pro experiences, 
you know, in the case of uh, in the case of Bill Parcells, it was being part of Ray Perkins staff uh, at Alabama. He ended up um, bringing Ray Perkins uh, or he and Ray, he ended up replacing Ray Perkins, uh, who brought him from Alabama. I feel like guys that have kind of bounced back and forth tend to understand the game better. And again, in this case with with Urban Meyer, my thought is, look, I mean, Urban Meyer certainly could get guys to want to come play for him. He's a recruiter. He knows how to talk to these guys. The other problem, though, is the owner, uh, Shahid Khan, who is um, probably the most disliked owner in the National Football League. And when you consider Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones are owners in this league, that is no small task. Uh <laughs> You know, Khan has run Jalen Ramsey and Yannick and Leonard Fournette uh, and a lot of people out of Jacksonville. And I've, I, I've said this all along. I don't care who you draft number one overall. I still think that you're going to struggle to get people to want to go and play for Shahid Khan. Plain and simple. Not a good owner. You know, I, I'm going to touch on something at the end of the show today. Uh, being being the the social justice movement that we saw sweep across not only this nation and this country, culminating in what happened today in Washington D.C. in a peaceful inauguration, um, uh, it, people are 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 much more sensitive to these things. And he is one of the few owners who was pretty outspoken on the opposite side. And I think when you've got all these woke NFL players, um, I think you're going to just really have a hard time. Again, the way he treats star players, uh, his decision-making, his hires, his free agent signings to replace some of this. I mean, it's not a great track record. How do you, how do you tell a, 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 a superstar in the NFL, hey, come here, things are going to change? Why? Because Urban Meyer's there? Uh, uh, to me, that that doesn't make it uh, any better or any more of a desirable destination. Unless you want to be like his son and treat everybody like they're AEW superstars. I mean, yeah, oh, that's the I, I'm a firm believer that the, oh, if you're the owner, let the coaches do what they got to do. You hire your general manager. You had you hire your staff to do the job. You should be able to, to lean back, relax, see everything, how everything's played out. And if you don't like something, fix it. But if it's not broken, leave it alone. So maybe, maybe he comes to realization that, hey, I need to sharpen up. I need to turn things around. And maybe this hire is best for business. He whatever, whatever it takes, Shahid Khan has got to make himself not the face of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you want to build that identity around Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Urban Meyer or whoever. Smart, but you got to keep him away from the team and away from the players, or I'm telling you, it'll be a long time before you get some talent to take a risk to go to Jacksonville. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I still believe that, um, and this is my opinion, this is, this is how I see things. I understand your point of view, but I, I feel as though this is a new beginning for Jacksonville Jaguars and adding Urban Myers to this piece could be that puzzle that it's, it's needed for that organization. Maybe no other coaches were able to communicate with the owner. I mean, now you have one now. And besides, it took a lot for Urban Myers to accept his job. He's turned down a lot. 
He turned down all those rumors, speculating he was coming back to coach. Now he's back. Now my concern is, is Urban Myers healthy enough to do the job? You know, he left Florida because of his health. He left Ohio State because of his health. Maybe some other issues too over there. Let's not forget that scandal that happened that carried over from Florida. So mm-hmm. is, is Urban Myers fit to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? That's what I want to know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's what the Jaguars are obviously banking on. You know, they they think, you know, bringing in the new head coach, getting the first overall pick, I'm sure that's what ownership in Jacksonville is thinking, you know. Uh, you know, obviously we made the AFC Championship a couple years ago with a great defense. Um, we've had some disruptions. Uh, a lot of the guys left, but, you know, can we get this thing back on track, maybe build up that defense? You know, we have the pick. Uh, we have some good players on offense, and we have the assets to, to go and uh, – and uh, and fix this thing. So I, I think that that's obviously Jacksonville's thinking. Uh, but we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, and the next couple of seasons, I wouldn't say uh, just next season because I, I think it's going to be a process for the Jaguars. But within the next three years, I, I think we should have an answer on um how Urban Meyer uh, panned out in uh, Jacksonville. Well, the big test here is check this out. Uh, Myers will be taking over the team that it's much needed in every position. Okay, he has the number one pick, as we all know. Uh. And the fact that they got two draft picks in the first round, two in the second round, one in the third, two in the fourth, two in the fifth, and then one in the seventh. So they're pretty much stacked to get at least the young stars involved in there. And we'll better know that Urban Myers, who knows so much about college football, you know, especially being a broadcaster on Fox, to come in there and be like, okay, I know exactly who the guys were coming in and change things wrong in this organization. I think he has an advantage compared to the rest of the coaches that are, that are either getting hired or have been in, uh, or have been in there. Uh, so I think it, it Myers is doing at least that part. I think he'll, he'll, he'll be successful. You know, uh, Matt Rule and uh, Cliff Kingsbury, two more college coaches who are in today's NFL and both seem to be struggling to get their teams where they need to be. And, I mean, they're good coaches, don't get me wrong, but it's one thing to motivate 20-year-olds that aren't getting paid. It's another thing to inspire and get fired up. Professional athletes, been in the league five or six years, making $10, 20000000 million a year. It, it, you're, you're, this is a different animal. And I think when you look at the majority of these coaches, they've been failures. Um, and, and again, I, uh, the idea, Urban Meyer is a big name. So is Nick Saban. So is Steve Spurrier. Um, you know, so whether it's like a, you know, the hot young guy, like, like a Chip Kelly or Bobby Petrino, or it's a Spurrier or a Saban, these college guys do not do well in the NFL. And to me, This just proves everything I think of Shahid Khan. Again, this is just trying to sell tickets, take us serious. We're hiring a a guy who's a a legendary coach. Um, You know, he might as well have hired a cricket coach or whatever other nonsense leagues that he owns. You know what I mean? Like a, a good coach is a good coach, but why don't you get a guy that knows how to coach NFL football? Which, again, leads me to believe, did anybody want that job? Was that a job that that was in high demand? 
even with the number one pick, even knowing Trevor Lawrence is on the way, even knowing how good that the, the offensive skill guys in Jacksonville, by the way, are tremendous. So whether it's Lawrence or Field, whoever's there is going to have a fun time throwing out to those guys, handing the ball to Robinson. They're, they're going to be fine on offense. The defense is the problem. And that defense is a long, long way away from being good. Where like multiple drafts will it take to start building that defense in some depth? So you're going to need to supplement with free agents. And I tell you right now, I would bet a million dollars that you could not find a top NFL free agent who would so much as even consider Jacksonville. And you could point out the no state income tax. Well, the Dolphins play there too. And it's a much more stable franchise. So do the Bucs, a the much better franchise. There's better options would be my point. So I think the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence aside, are still in some trouble. And I don't. I think this Urban Meyer thing is going to be a three-year failure if it even lasts that long. Yeah, I, I, th- I think I give him one year. Let's try out that first year, see if he sticks around. Uh, but then he's got to have a good supporting cast. He needs to develop, you know, get these uh, coaches, offensive corner, defense corner, someone that will understand Urban Meyer and see it just like how we did in Ohio State, the same thing he did in Florida. Get that staff, get them in there. But you're right. This is a different level. You got – Football players, five million dollars a year, ten million a year. Are you able to motivate these guys to execute every down? That's why they're one in fifteen for a reason. I'll tell you that with the move of the day that blew my mind, or at least in the last couple of days, was the Lions hiring Dan Campbell, a guy nobody wanted, who has no experience as a coordinator, to a six-year contract. I mean, coaching is such big business. I, I don't see that one panning out at all. And again, some of these some of these teams and the ownership with some of these teams, I think are in such bad spots because I mean again, look at who wants to go coach the Detroit Lions at this point. Well, there was one, the state senator or a house of rep from Michigan wrote a letter to the owner of the Lions and pleaded to get Robert uh Saley. Robert. That's his name. Yeah, because he's from Michigan. Right. And that potentially they will up the level of the Lions, plus more fans will go to the game. I mean, oh if you have Congress, their own state of Congress, pleading with the owner, say, hey, get this guy, and never happened. That, yeah, that's the Lions being the Lions. And uh, I was that's what I, actually what I was going to bring up, is that Robert Salah should have been their guy. Obviously, he, he had head coaching buzz at the end of last year um, after the year the Niners had, and then going into this year, um, it – they said that the interview didn't go well with him and that, you know, it was kind of short-lived. But if, if you got a guy like that who's a hometown guy, obviously the Lions have been terrible all my lifetime. I'm sure, I'm pretty much all your guys' lifetime. They've just been wasting talent away. Um, with the, you know, Some of the best of them, like Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, those are the two best offense – two of the best offensive players in NFL history. And they d- decide to retire uh, not even 10 years in because they just had enough – uh, with the Lions organization. So nothing changes there. Uh, Dan Campbell, like you said, a guy who has no experience, just throwing him a, a six-year contract. I'm sure they're going to be regretting that a couple years in. Um, but the Lions, uh, as long as the uh, ownership is there, I, I just don't see anything going well for the Lions. Uh, they're the joke of the NFL. And uh, this uh, another bad hire, I think. It, it's just not going anywhere but uh, south for, the, for Detroit. It just sets up for that coach in case things go wrong. Then once they fire him, that's how much money they still got to pay him. So he's set for life. 
Trust mm-hmm. me. Well, the shocking thing, speaking of the Lions, is that's you're talking about a team that gets a top 10 pick every year. Yeah. I mean, what what's happening in Detroit? Again, you got to bring the right people in. You got to have a plan in place so that you, you're, I mean, look, la- last year, uh, ooh, they, they drafted, I think, Jeff Okuda last year. Is that right? At three? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, how'd their defense look this year? The se- the secondary was their weakness of their team, really. It, you know, and Jeff Okuda, I mean, Jeff Okuda didn't play the the whole season, which is fair, but still, it didn't it didn't help at all, though. Again, right? I mean, it, it, when when you're gonna improve, your like you gotta go all in. Like the, you know, the Giants went out, and got Bradbury, got Logan, uh, drafted Darnay Holmes, right? I mean, but but went and tried to put together a solid secondary, knowing they had some young players, got to put some pieces in there. But again, I think you need a plan. You 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 put some new coach in after the last horrible regime from the horrible regime before that. What's your plan? This is this is my concern when with it, you just move the same losing coaches here there back around a, a, again. You know some of these guys. Again, I, I sort of went through that list of of uh, you know these college guys that have gotten a shot in the NFL and it hasn't panned out. Again, I don't think there's a there's not a silver bullet when it comes to picking a good coach. You know, you want to find somebody in the right coaching tree with the right connections. I think one of the things we liked about Joe Judge to the Giants was the idea that he had coached at Alabama, that he had experience with Bill Parcells. That's the kind of guy I feel good about in the NFL. If you graduate from college, become a graduate assistant, within uh, two years you're the linebackers coach, right? Uh, you move over now. You're, you're the offensive line guy. You're the strength and conditioning coach. Now you're you're uh, the assistant uh, to the offensive coordinator. You, you spend some time. You become the offensive coordinator eventually. Maybe you go to you know some some uh, uh, Sun Belt team to eventually become head coach. You're a college coach. Stay there. Stay in that game. That's a different game. And 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 look, I I like what they're doing in Texas. That's nice that, I mean, Alabama's got that kind of depth, Sean, where they could hemorrhage coaches and g- give chances at uh, Texas a chance to build it, its own little uh, dream team of coaches. It, I mean, it, it, it's it's almost comical to, to sort of see what's happening there. Like, it, it's like Nick Saban and Alabama are trying to, like, form a satellite campus with Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I find that uh, interesting and weird because Alabama, right. Alabama didn't have to grant any of any of those guys permission to go. They could right. let Sarkeesian go and be like, "That's it, bro." Uh, but to to let him pillage, I think that's that's interesting. The other problem, obviously, Sam Ellinger is going into the NFL draft. Four year starter could have came back if if he was that excited for what's happening in Texas. Maybe he would have came back. I, so again, how jazzed was he about that move? Not not enough. Well, the reason and Longhorns for that one, right? But the reason is that he made that decision because Herman was still there, and after the end of the bowl game, it was mentioned by the athletic director that Tom Herman was going to stay as a head coach. And then all of a sudden, when they started losing recruits to go elsewhere, they knew then they had to make a decision. So, but even besides that, 
Uh, I think that they're still in good hands because I think the next quarterback, Casey Thompson, he is a sophomore going to junior now. And I think he has the potential to be fit into Sarkeesian's type of offense. And, and as, especially today, we're finding out that the defensive corner, Pete Kowalkowski, uh, I'll put the pictures there right now. He's leaving Washington to be the defensive coordinator. So already uh, Steve Sarkeesian is making things happen to improve by improving the coaches. So we may not be seeing that Big 12 history of them not having any type of defense in the game. And we're probably going to see this now and the improvement for Oklahoma Sooners. So that rivalry, I can't wait next season to see them to go these two, these two teams to go head to head. It's going to be an awesome, awesome game. Yeah, I I, I hope Texas, uh, you know, as um, just a, a great college program, I hope they get back to that that point, you know, where they're they're at the top of the country. They're one of the better teams in the country because you know we've been hearing it for years and years now that Texas is back. But I I think this actually opens up opens them up an opportunity, you know, to come back because I really like Steve Sarkeesian. Obviously, if you watch Alabama's offense the last couple of years, uh, he just knows how to scheme an offense and. Uh, given, you know, he, he was working with a lot of talent, but it's not like he can't do that at Texas. Texas always has a, a great recruiting class, and I, I think Sarkeesian will continue to do that. And um, they have all the athletes down there, too. Texas is one of the best uh, high school, college uh, states in, in all the country. So he's going to have that talent there to pick from. Um, and I think, you know, his offensive schemes are so great. I, I think he, he really knows how to get his best players open, and he, he knows how to do it in which situations. And then um, you, you mentioned Kwiatkowski, the uh, defense coordinator from Washington. Um, Washington, they had a rough year this year, but, you know, over the past five or six years, uh, they've been really good, especially on defense. Um, they've had a lot of players come out of that secondary, uh, like Buda Baker, Byron Murphy, over the past couple of years. They've been really talented, and I think that that really has to do a lot with Kwiatkowski. So um, I think Texas will be back in, in the next couple of years. I'm really excited to see what Sarkeesian does uh, with this opportunity. But I, I think it was time to move on from Tom Herman. Um, and so hopefully, uh, like Ovi said, this having the Red River Red River rivalry, I'll say that three times fast, but uh, having that back uh, is going to be um, it's going to be a lot of fun because those games are always fun to watch. But especially when those teams are at the two or especially when those two teams are at the top of college football, uh, it just makes it even better. So I, I do like this hire a lot from Texas. So I'm wondering uh, your thoughts about Aaron Joe. Yeah, look, great, great hire, uh, good coach. And I'll tell you what, I think one of the things that's plagued this team over the last few years, um, and I pointed it out when it was going to happen this year, is they tend to have huge letdowns every single year. And I feel like bringing Sarkeesian in from Alabama, he's got a a whole lot of winning he's been doing. And you're right. The scheme's great offense. Um, I think it's going to be huge. I think it's really going to do this team a lot of good. I I hope he can get this team to the point where I won't predict letdown games. Because to me, if this team's going to get back to being an elite college football program, can't be 7-0 and, you know, lose to Texas Tech. That, that kind of crap's got to stop. So... Right. You know, I, I, I think, again, to me, a good coach, good leadership, man. It makes all the difference in the world. A guy who's going to walk in there with a, a national championship ring, you know, that's going to look really impressive to the guys. And so hopefully he can whip that mentality into them and uh, restore them longhorns to the top. There's something that Nick Saban saw in him 
to hire him as an offensive coordinator. Look at uh, Kiffin. Kiffin left the organization, went to Florida Atlantic. Now he landed a job back in SEC with Ole Miss. And not saying that Sarkeesian is going to take this Texas team and off the bat they're going to go 13-0. I'm not saying that. I think that it's time to, one, figure out their players and he'll figure them out at hand because he has no influence in recruiting as of yet. But once the recruiting starts, I think that uh, he'll, he'll make it happen. And I've seen assistants under Nick Saban succeed. You know, so it's been proven already. So I, I, I believe it. I'm glad that he actually went to the Big 12. I would have hate to see him coach in a SEC and then go against his own coach because Nick Saban is like Bill Belichick, man. Any assist, former assistants, they never win. So, but uh, I, I, I got a feeling, you know, give, give, give them one, two, two seasons, they'll be back up there. They'll take over the Big 12. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Now, my other thought is with the transfer protocol, being a transfer portal, being a little loosened now. Yes. One of the major concerns, and I have to imagine this has to be one of those teams now. Um, you're finding for the first time that you literally have teams trying to pick off the big boy rosters. If you're a junior at Bama and you still haven't gotten much playing time, you're a former five-star or four-star recruit, and I'm like, hey, you'll be a starter at Texas right now. You know me. You know what I do. We spend a lot of time. I mean, I do think that you could start to see this. And look, I mean, not for nothing, Bama will survive it because the depth that they have, even with their coaches, obviously, is a little bit ridiculous. But I think that's going to start to be an issue. And I can't help but wonder if that that wasn't a thought in Texas's head as well, pulling a coach from Bama. Gives you the inside track, maybe on some guys that you've spoken to uh, on the recruiting trail. And again, a chance to like pick some of those guys. Maybe there's some guys uh, at Bama that Sarkeesian really believes in or thinks really highly of, you know, uh, who who could certainly uh, make the move. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I really do like that's a great hire. Absolutely. Yeah, but hey, speaking about the transfers, um, the one thing we, we have good news about is the draft that's coming up at the end of uh, April. I believe it's April 29th is the actual draft. And uh, as we see here, excuse me while I uh, – well, bad. I'm a bad guy, man. I'm a bad guy. Come on. Come on. There we go. Man, finally, we got the top six quarterbacks in the draft. And, again, there are a lot more quarterbacks, but these are the most notice noticeable ones. Trevor Lawrence, again, is one of the top QBs. Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Kyle Trask. Now, out of these guys, um, and this is, like I said, my my opinion here, I got a feeling that Zach Wilson's going to jump more on top of Justin Fields. I, I, I just got, got that gut feeling because he's coming from BYU, because he is more of that pocket passer, the more aggressive I believe that he he could be on top of Justin Fields. Many will argue that Justin Fields should be deserving probably pick number two with the Jets, but we don't even know what direction the Jets are going. But I also make a prediction that if there's anything that we learned in the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons are more of a need of a quarterback because Matt Ryan might be out the door. He is also of age, and they need somebody to take over. So why not? 
either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. What's your take, uh, Sean? Yeah, um, I mean, I think that would make sense uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know how willing they're give up or they are to give up on Matt Ryan um, this quick. I don't know what the contract is. I haven't looked at it, um, but I don't know what their feelings on Matt Ryan. But he's still he's he's still playing at a decent level. Um, I don't think he's you know in the bottom half of the QBs in the league uh, per se. So it, it would make sense because he's getting up there in age. But um, I, I would be a little surprised. I think by the Falcons pick, but um, it, I think Justin Fields would be the guy though. Um, if if you can get a guy with that strong of an arm to, you know, pair him with, you know, top 10 receivers like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Um, I, I think that offense would be dynamic right out the, uh, right out the gate. Obviously they got to fix the old line a little bit, but um, I, I would tend to pick Justin Fields over Zach Wilson in this one. I just think um, the, the mobility in the pocket is huge. He's got the super strong arm. Um, obviously he's a tough kid. We, we saw it uh, against Clemson. He could take the hits and then still go out and, and win you the game while throwing six touchdown passes. So, um, I, I think Justin Fields would be my favorite uh, head of Zach Wilson right now, and I, I think he would fit well with the Falcons. But um, my my big sleeper in this uh, draft, though, is I, we're ta- you guys were talking about him before, but uh, Trey Lance, I think not a lot of people have seen him. But, um, I, I mean, if you look at the numbers, you look at the tape, he, he's, he's a really good quarterback. Obviously, he's at a smaller school, but I, I think that he'll start to get more and more love as we get closer uh, into the pre-draft process. Well, I got a question for you, Joe. Uh Mac Jones, he's a savings boy. He saved the season for this team. Nobody was talking about him at the beginning except for all four downs podcasts. We've been saying it from week one. Could you potentially see Mac Jones as a New England Patriot? Yes, definitely. I'll tell you what, like I, I've been saying for a while, you know, Mac certainly could have came back and and tried to be the number one pick next year. And probably I would think like Trevor Lawrence this year would have been the favorite for that to go down for him. Now uh, he's definitely going to be in this draft. Uh, He is the uh, fourth or fifth quarterback, depending on whose list you're looking at. And as I mentioned, you know, Lawrence going to Jacksonville uh, fields, going to the jets, probably maybe Wilson to the Falcons. It, 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 and if Trey Lance moves ahead of Mac Jones again, right, that puts Mac in a position to go to the Patriots or New Orleans or Indianapolis. There's a lot of really good destinations uh, that will happen where he's going to fall in this draft. And it's going to be a great situation for Mac, whether he ends up starting as a rookie or whether he goes and he, and he backs somebody up, whatever ends up happening. He's going to be on a team that's got a lot of the pieces to the puzzle. And again, if they're, if they're a superstar quarterback short, that could be problematic. But if you just need a guy who can really get things done, complete some passes, um, doesn't turn over the ball, a great game manager with a ton of flair and great skills, Mac Jones is your guy. Again, I'm thinking about a team like Pittsburgh, New Orleans, uh, the 49ers, any of those teams would be a great spot for Mac Jones to go to. You're muted, Ovi. Thank you. Thank you again. It's not my night, man. I think I <laughs> Mac Jones or Kyle Trask is going to be in better shape than any of the rest of these quarterbacks, to be honest with you, because – these are the team that either almost made it or they lost in the playoffs. And to add them to the roster is only going to boost them even more. So, uh, but in a sense, 
out of one of these quarterbacks, do you believe one of them will be disappointed and be around two? Um, I I could see Kyle Trask uh, dropping around too easy. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mac Jones did either. Um, I, I've seen a lot of, you know, usually like later first round for Mac Jones, but if he, I could see him falling like early second round. But Kyle Trask, I think, I think he's got a chance to fall maybe even, you know, second, maybe even third round Um, just because, I don't know, there's not a lot of teams that uh, need QBs. That, I mean, as of right now, there's still some some moving parts that could happen. Um, Breeze can retire. So, I mean, there, there's definitely some openings. But um, I, I just think that Kyle Trask, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be too high on him. He, he had a lot of weapons at Florida, and he made the most of this year. But I, I think as an NFL prospect, some people won't be too high on him. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he falls. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think there's a very likely chance that he does fall. I think Mac Jones will be the last quarterback taken in the first round, if I had to guess. I think Trask and Ellinger and a lot of these other guys will fall two and three. I think Combine's going to be important for these guys, you know. And again, like Sean said, as the NFL sort of shakes itself out, whether Drew Brees retires, we know Phillip Rivers obviously is all done. Um one, once things sort of start to settle in, all the coaches get uh, get hired and, and we figure out who's coming back and who's not, you'll have a better picture of which quarterbacks are probably going where or at least who needs quarterbacks. And then again, I just think combine and, and, and other situations, you see guys will start to shoot up. I think Mac Jones actually, Sean, is one of those guys that's going to go up uh, as opposed to down. I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to go and test well, throw well, um, and you're going to hear a lot on, on ESP and all, all the hype machines where, Oh, you know, this guy's underrated because again, a, a 77% completion ratio, there's still people that aren't sure how that's going to translate, which <laughs> blows my yeah. mind. Um, oh, if, you had, right, you if, you had, if you had questions about Kyle Allen and how that 54% was going to translate, how could you, how could you seriously look me in the eyes? and say you're not sure how a guy playing at the highest level in the best conference in college football hit 77% of his passes. And it's not like the guy doesn't throw the football down the field because he certainly does. Um, I, I, I find that wildly absurd, almost, almost to the point of offensive. Again, this is that whole thing where people are really struggling to admit how good this guy is like it's a knock on any of the other guys or that in some way the milk hypers in the and the Todd McShays and every other Joe Blow has to be like ah, I was wrong about Mac Jones you can say that it's okay it's yeah it's the pride that they don't want to they don't want to they don't want to admit it they uh, yeah. 77% the greatest season any Alabama quarterbacks ever had. And they're like, well, I, I don't know how that's going to translate, but Trey Lance definitely is going to be awesome. What? I, yeah, I, I get your point. hundred percent. I, I think the Mac Jones slander has been uh, out of pocket all year. And I, I think it will just continue once we start talking more and more about him into the draft. But I, I really, I'm with you. I really wouldn't be, be surprised to see his trans, his game translate to the NFL because uh, I think he, he will have a good pro career. The one thing that I noticed in the championship was Jones fumbled the ball. And the next possession that did not phase him, he marched down and scored another touchdown. And I don't care. Yeah, it was Devontae Smith. What did he do? You know, he is. if he's open, he's going to get the ball. 
It just happens. But when he's throwing that ball, look at that accuracy that he how he's throwing the ball. He is on point. Mm-hmm. And there've been a lot there were there were plays that were tight windows and he able to deliver it. That's the type of quarterback that you need. And the more development he gets in the NFL, he's just going to get better. He's a smart kid too. Got a master's degree early. Come on, man. That dude's educated. He's going to put his his mind and effort into it. You know, that's a great point, Obi. I I was asked repeatedly the week of the national championship game, what does Ohio State have to do to beat Alabama? And my answer was the same. It was, you're going to have to figure out a way to knock Mac Jones off his game and make turnovers. And you're right. The one time he fumbled, that was it. Mac Jones was like, oh, all right, get serious here. Uh, and 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 you saw you saw no no kink in the armor at all from that point on. And again, how anybody could watch those two guys, Justin Fields and Mac Jones, and and not be like, well, maybe it's a little closer than I'll admit. The difference between these two guys, again, not to. I mean, I love Lamar Jackson. I hope you guys understand that. I said last weekend, if if it came down to him need to make a big throw, they were in trouble and obviously pick six the other way uh, and the game effectively over and he got knocked out of the game in, 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 the, uh, in the next drive. But again, I like Justin Fields, super talented player. You guys saw that passing performance. I, I'll ask you the same thing as I did uh, on our show last week with Lamar Jackson. If there was a big throw to be made, do you rather have Mac Jones making it or Justin Fields? Again, I understand Fields the better athlete. He can run, does a lot of things. But if you needed a guy to make a throw, you're not taking Justin Fields. No one's taking that 55% passing BS in the in, in the in the biggest game of his life. No siree. He might not good up, enough. He might end up running 55 yards and may seek for an, a concussion. That could probably happen. But I will pick Mac Jones all the way. I would. Yeah. Yeah. If so, you're talking about this past season, I would definitely take Mac Jones. But yeah, I, I would say, though, I think Justin Fields is a better passer than Lamar Jackson is. Uh, Lamar Jackson is just uh, the best athlete we've ever seen at the QB position. Uh, that's what sets him above uh, everyone else. But I, I do think I, I do think Justin Fields is a little bit better passer than him. But I, I would take Mac Jones. I agree. Yeah, I feel good about that. <laughs> I, absolutely. You know, like guys, that round went to me. <laughs> I I enjoy the conversation, but you know what? And coming up next week and the final weeks, we'll be diving in into each position, seeing how it relates to the NFL draft. We're also going to look at the team's schedule for uh, next season, plus to see who is our preseason top 25. We got that all coming up all the way down, and we can't forget that the original show of All Four Downs is the biggest supporter of the XFL. Now, we understand that the XFL abruptly ended because of the pandemic. Also, uh, they went bankrupt. And why they went bankrupt? There was no football. You still got to pay people. So a lot of things happened with Vince McMahon and everyone else there. And whatever legal issues happen currently and what's going to happen in the near future, that's one thing. But we have to say thank you to Dwayne Johnson, who was able to buy, purchase the XFL. And that season will start at 2022. But we miss it so much. And so in a tribute 
uh, because we're almost close to one year of all four downs podcast. Uh, I would like to kick off a review of the XFL and thereafter the final whistle with Joe Aguirre. So check it out. Team lined up at the opposite 30. Can't move to the ball. He's fielded. And here goes Keith Mumphrey. And they're going to turn it around. With room on the near side. And for the first time, they get creative. And the Battlehawks have the sideline. And a kickoff return for Joe Powell to the end zone. Cardell Jones, they flip. Back to Rodgers. Back to Jones. A man wide open down the sideline. It's Kyrie Lee. Five. Goal line. Touchdown. Out of the backfield. Cannot wait for that to be back. But what a day that we had. Joe Biden was inaugurated as the 46th president of the United States of America. Kamala Harris became the first woman, black, and Asian vice president in United States history. Sarah Fuller, the Vanderbilt soccer player who joined the men's program when COVID hit the Commodore's campus, she was at the inauguration today. In 2020, Miss Fuller became the first woman to score in a Power 5 conference game. We don't say girls. This has been a unique year for sure. We're living through a global pandemic. It's getting worse, despite the fact we now have a president who believes it's real and that there's a vaccine. Kudos to the brave men and women who sacrificed to make college football happen every weekend for our enjoyment. But to me, lost in the shuffle of all this was the fact that players like Trevor Lawrence Spoke about spoke out about racial injustice, and they took time to talk to their black teammates about their life perspectives. And by players like Lawrence, I mean white and popular. It's on us to talk to our friends and neighbors and family about social justice. If young white men at Southern universities can speak out on a national stage, you could tell your cousin to stop posting racial crap on Snapchat. Sports binds us. One goal, one purpose. Doesn't matter what your religious, your cultural, or your national background is. When you're a team, it's all for one and one for all. Let's make our politics that again. One goal, one purpose. Regardless of party, the goal is to make America the best place on earth for everyone. And sure, New York and California are Alabama and Clemson, but everyone loves and respects Coastal Carolina and Liberty, a Christian university found by that charlatan, Jerry Falwell. My point is, there's room in this country for everyone. And if there's any evidence of voter fraud, I found it. It's in the Power Five. Let's focus our energies and outrage going forward on that. Thank you so much for joining us in all four downs for Sean Scanlon 
and Ovi Muniz. I am Joe McGuire. Make sure you check us out at clovercrestmedia.com backslash all four downs. Make sure you also check out hhwshow.com to get all the latest from the wide world of sports. We are proud to be part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. We'll catch you next Wednesday night at 7.30 for all four downs. 